It's a question we have all asked ourselves at one time or another. What is my purpose in life? And while we all have many gifts and desires that are unique to us as individuals, we were all created for this one purpose, to glorify God our Father. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. So in a world focused only on self, we want to shift the paradigm to be purposeful women of God. So join us as we change our focus from me to thee. Hello and welcome to the Purposeful Woman of God podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Tabitha. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today, once again, it's just been a different month for us in October. So Tabitha, why don't you share what we're going to be talking about on the podcast today? Yeah, so, you know, we've been sharing this whole month different interviews, and the month of October has definitely looked much different than what we're used to doing on the show. We hope that all of you listeners out there have enjoyed this change of pace and getting to know the stories and testimonies of some amazing people. And today we will have two special guests. The first part of today's episode will include a powerful story of the pursuit of God in our lives, even when we are not following Him. It's a testament of God's love and goodness, and we are so honored to get to bring this story to you today. And then later in the show, we're going to share how you can help women who are in desperate situations through the support of pro-life pregnancy centers. And we'll be bringing someone onto the show who works for Choices Pregnancy Center in Gainesville, Georgia, to give each of you details of how you can personally get involved. We are so excited to introduce our first guest to you today. Her name is Kelly Lester, and I just have to say she's a survivor. She's been through a lot, and she has an amazing, amazing testimony, and I know that y'all are going to get a blessing out of it, so let's just get to her interview. Thank you so much, Kelly, for joining us today. Well, thank you for inviting me. Yes, we are so excited for our listeners to hear your story, so why don't you just go ahead and tell everybody who you are and what you do? Sure. My name is Kelly Lester. I uh, live right now in Richmond, Virginia with my husband and six children, ages 7 to 15. Um, And I uh, work for Abby Johnson, which you may have heard of before, but if not, there was a movie called Unplanned, where Abby was a former Parenthood Executive Director and saw an ultrasound-guided abortion. And when she saw that, she became pro-life and is now one of the biggest pro-life advocates, um, vocal and visible pro-life advocates there are. Um, And she has a ministry called And Then There Were None. And that ministry, our focus is to reach into the abortion industry and get workers out of the industry. And so we provide transitional help for them and counseling, and hopefully they leave that culture of death and and move into a culture of life, and ultimately, hopefully they learn into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's always our goal. Um, So I do outreach and government engagement for her, so I travel and speak at conferences, speak at pregnancy centers, right-to-life organizations, students-for-life organizations, and then when the state legislatures are in session, which is coming up here in just a few weeks, Mm-hmm. I will testify for pro-life legislation. That's so awesome. <laughs> I use my, yeah, yeah. So it's pretty cool. Last year I got to testify in 16 different states. And um, yeah, so it's it's pretty fun. And then I also work part-time at my church and uh, travel. And right now I'm in Ohio uh, speaking for pregnancy centers. So I 
am a keynote speaker and travel and, and, and get to help um, meet other pregnancy centers and, and raise awareness and, and help them hopefully raise money to fund the good work that they do. That is wonderful, wonderful work that you do. And as you just said, you advocate for the protection of women and children, but you also have a very powerful testimony on your own that brought you to this place in your life um, to do all that you do now. So would you mind sharing what transpired in your life and how God saved you? Absolutely. I love sharing this story. Um, I had a normal childhood, you know, pretty typical upper middle class childhood, um, but never felt like I was safe, never felt secure, always felt this shame looming over me. And when I was a freshman in high school, I had some friends come over to spend the night and we snuck out and went to a party. And while I was at that party, one of the older boys raped me. Mm -hmm. And I talked to my friends about it. They didn't believe me. I went to my youth pastor and talked to her about it. And she said, well, if you hadn't gone to that party, that would have never happened. Mm -hmm. And so I just felt this overwhelming feeling of shame. You know, it was my fault. And then I was just looking for belonging. And so I became very promiscuous. And by the time I was 16, I was pregnant. And I went and had my first abortion. Mm -hmm. And while I'd had numerous traumas leading up to that moment. That day was a marked change in my life. I walked in a nationally ranked tennis player, a um, straight-A student, a regular church attender, and that day I walked out and I turned and ran from everything good in my life, ended up running drugs up and down the East Coast for the Puerto Rican Mafia, got involved in homosexuality and pornography and eating disorders and all the things, wow. you know, basically all the depravity, just trying to cover that shame and cover those that those wounds and um, ended up working for uh, where I'd had my first abortion. I was looking for a job, getting out of selling drugs and bartending and looked at my local newspaper and found that a women's clinic was hiring, went and interviewed and got hired on the spot as the receptionist and worked there for about a year, um, covering the reception area, but also covering the recovery room. And so when women would have this procedure, I was the one that would release them um, from from their procedure. And, and the number of women that I saw hemorrhaging from perforated uteruses, bowel cervixes, mm -hmm. was the reason that I eventually left because I was one of those women. And so when I saw mm -hmm. that, you know, I, I didn't want to be a mother at the time when I had gotten pregnant, but I eventually wanted to be a mother. And I, I recognized that we were potentially ending their ability to ever be moms, yeah. and we weren't telling them about it. So when they would have this complication, we would take them back into the procedure room, give them more medication, and then release them without ever telling them what had happened to them. Goodness. And I didn't like that. That really bothered me. Um, and so I left the abortion industry, and then fast forward several more years, several more abortions, and was living with a boyfriend in New Orleans, and it was very violent. We got into a fight, ripped the door off the door frame. There was a two-by-four laying on the ground, and he pushes me on the ground, gets on top of me, on his hands and knees, picks up the two-by-four, goes to hit me in the face with it, drops the board mid-swing, punches me in the face several times. My face explodes. The fight stops. And then the next morning, I have text messages and phone calls from my dad, who was living in Virginia. And then 24 hours after that, I drove back to Virginia with all of my belongings, and my dad meets me. And now, mind you, my, you know, my eyes are swollen shut. My nose is flat and crooked. My mouth is all busted. And he sees me and he begins to cry. And, and then he tells me that he said, Kelly, two nights ago, I was asleep. And in the middle of the night, I had awoken by the Lord. And I had a vision of you laying dead on the floor with your head split wide open. And so I began to pray. 
And so I realized that that was the moment when my boyfriend dropped the board. That was why my dad had been calling me and texting me. And um, then it took a couple more weeks, and I was sitting in the front row of my dad's church because my dad was a pastor. And he gives the altar call, and I hear as clearly as I've ever heard anything, have you had enough? Mm -hmm. And as soon as I heard it, I knew it was God. I knew it was him calling out to me. And it wasn't what I expected to hear. You know, it wasn't the voice or the tone, but I instantly recognized it. And I I said, but God, how are you? Can you love me after everything that I've been through? And and he said, if you follow me, I will make you some ashes. And that's literally what he has done. He has saved, healed, redeemed, and restored every area of my life where the enemy tried to kill and steal and destroy it. And one of the ways that I get to do that is by telling my story because you you can't make beautiful being molested at three. But when you share your story that there's hope and there's forgiveness, um, it helps bring hope to somebody else. And so um, that's what I do now. I get to travel around and share my story and inspire other people and hopefully change some hearts and minds. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I feel super blessed to be able to do what I do and, um, and get to share the love of God in in the process. I remember the first time I listened to that story and even just now, as you were sharing it, tears just came to my Mm -hmm. eyes because it's just a reminder of how God continues to pursue us, you know? And so what a, what an inspiration that you are and that you listen to the voice of God when he spoke to you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I was at the end. You know, I was at the end of my rope. It was definitely, I knew that it was time. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was, uh, it was great. Yeah. And you know, your testimony is such a reminder of the power of prayer and how God continues to pursue us in our brokenness. So, but what has the road to healing looked like for you? So I know while salvation is instantaneous, there has no doubt had to be healing from the scars that you've carried. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, it's definitely a process. And and for some people, it's not like I know some people that are addicted to drugs and addicted to alcohol and somebody prays for them and that's instantly broken and gone, you know, and and praise God for those situations. That was not me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, 30 years of, of um, addiction and 30 years of abuse um, definitely took, uh, took time to be healed from. The main way was I got in the word of God. Although I had grown up in the church, I had never really read the Bible. And so I got in the Word of God and started studying His truth and what He spoke and what He said. Mm -hmm. And then secondary to that was I got into a group of women that could help speak life over me and help call me out. And, you know, we're, we're modeling the examples of what being a godly woman, a godly wife, a godly mother looks like. And I, I always had this image because of how I grew up in the situations. You know, I always I always knew that God existed. Even mm-hmm. when I wasn't following him, I had no doubt of his existence. Right. I just didn't want to surrender to him. And quite honestly, I didn't want to be one of his people, which is so horrible to say. Yeah. But I had had not great examples of Christians in my life up to that point. And so I got into this group of women that were fun and were kind, and were, quite honestly, were cool, you know, and I was like, wow, you don't have to be, you know, stuffy and and grumpy and all those (laughs) things, and and so they encouraged me, and they challenged me, and they 
um, loved me unconditionally um, and, you know, went through some inner healing and went through all all that stuff as well. Like I definitely did all of that also. Yeah. Um, and then the final piece, honestly, was my husband. Okay. When I met my husband and he loved me the way Christ loves the church, laying his life down for me. And I tried everything in my power to get him to not, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I didn't cheat on him, but I definitely, yeah. you know, pushed every button and would get in his face and fight him and he would never fight me back. And um, I saw how he loved me. And I was like, wow, if, if a man can love me like that, how can God love me, you know? And so it was a revelation of, of my identity in Christ. It was a revelation of God's love for me. Um, it was an intimacy with Holy Spirit. And all of that over 15 years started the healing process and set the groundwork. And it's still continuing. You know, I went right. to um, last week. It's crazy. I, I've, I've been sharing my story all over the country for the past couple of months. So it becomes just you're like kind of part of just what you say, you know. Right. And, yeah. And I'm like, I'm healed. I'm good. And last two weeks ago, I went to a meeting at the church where that youth pastor had said that to me. Mm. And I hadn't been in that church in 30 years. And I walked in and stuff came to the surface. Mm. And I was like, oh, what's happening? And then the the husband of that youth pastor stood up. He's not her husband anymore, but was at the time. Mm -hmm. And it was like this, all this emotion where I thought I was healed came to the surface. And some friends of mine were sitting there and they, they know my story. And they're like, are you okay? And I said, God is doing something. Yeah, because he's bringing this to the surface because there's some area of healing that I had not quite yet gotten to that he wants me to get to. And I know that that's because that's unto something, mm -hmm. but I don't know what it is. And they're like, well, this is a, that's a really good attitude. And I'm like, well, after 15, you know, 20 years, you, you learn the process. You learn, yeah. <laughs> well, then, then one week later to the day, I got a Facebook message from that youth pastor who I had not spoken to in over 30 years, who I didn't know she lived on the other side of the country. We have no connections on social media or anything. And a, a friend that I grew up with had gone to see her and told her my story, and she was contacting me to ask my forgiveness. Oh. And it's like, oh I didn't need that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I didn't need that. I had forgiven her. Mm. I, I recognized that she was in trauma. But I know that there's something that the Lord has that he's highlighting this and taking this another step deeper. Um, maybe for her, maybe for me, maybe for both of us. Right. Um, oh, but it's an ongoing amazing. process. Yeah. You know, it's just a, it's an ongoing process that you just have to be aware of. Uh, just hearing that, once again, that last piece, <laughs> my goodness, it, you just know when God is at work. And yeah, it's just amazing how, you know, through all of that, and I just think of our listeners that may be listening who have gone through trauma you know, and how they can use that now to give God the glory through all of that and see his redemptive plan. And you can just hear that in your voice as you're telling that testimony. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say to the woman who feels like she is in a desperate situation right now and that her only option is abortion? I would say I understand that mm -hmm. you feel that way. And I understand that you are being told that it's quick and it's easy, and it's even natural, and it's even empowering. You know, it's part of a passage of, of womanhood almost. You get yeah. your period, and then you have an abortion. Right. Um, but the reality is, is that it is damaging. It is not only physically damaging, where it can hurt you physically, mm -hmm. but it is something that you will deal with for the rest 
of your life emotionally. And it, and it comes out in many different ways. For, for some women, they turn to drugs and alcohol like I did. For other women, they become super type A and super driven and push away relationships. Mm-hmm. For some women, they never want children. For other women, they want 20 children, right. you know. And so it always comes out in some kind of way. Some of those are very damaging and some of those are not as damaging, of course. Right. You know, 20, yeah. children, 20, 20 children might be a little excessive. But, you know, having a lot of children is not a bad thing. But doing it out of the wrong motivation is not the right thing. And that there is help for you. There are pregnancy centers. I wish there had been a pregnancy center there for me. And there wasn't. You know, there are organizations that will walk with you, that will help you parents if if that's what you want to do, that will help you, um, you know, walk through that process. Um, There's amazing adoption agencies. Georgia has some of the best adoption agencies. Abiding Love Adoptions is Mm -hmm. down there, and they do a great job of open adoptions and taking care of the birth mother and taking care of you. You know, and, and so there's definitely people out there that want to help you and want to support you. And the abortion industry does not. They just want to take your money. And so, you know, look for help. Try for help. Don't rush into the situation. There's always time to take a pause. You know, there's no rush. Take your time. And, and if you're a woman who has had an abortion um, or a man, if there's a man listening to this who has an abortion experience as well, whether it was five years ago or 15 years ago, or 45 years ago, get healing. Yeah. Because if you don't, those wounds will come up. And if you want to get involved in the pro-life movement, um, especially if you want to get involved in the pro-life movement, you need to get healing. Because I guarantee you, the first girl sitting across from you in the counseling room, or the first person that you're sitting across from in the coffee shop, it's going to be you looking at you in the Mm. face dealing with your story. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, God wants to heal you of that. Even if you've gone through other healings, if you could do a focus abortion recovery, abortion healing, um, you know, there, there is something to that, 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 that is really powerful. Um, but we don't want to, we don't want to minister out of our woundings. And so it's definitely, um, important that we get healed so that we can be best used for God. I love that. And I think so many times the abortion industry, not so many times, probably in every situation, they neglect to get the healing for the, you know, we just think that it's a a one-time thing and we're done, but there are scars emotionally that these women carry and they're just left to themselves with no help whatsoever. Yeah. Britney Spears is a perfect example of that. I mean, I hate talking about Britney Spears, but she's very, you know, right now it's kind of out there that she you know, years when she was 19, had an abortion. And it was the most traumatic thing that she's ever gone through and the pain that she went through. And Brittany is not a well woman. And who knows if that didn't contribute to it. Oh, I'm glad Um, you brought that up because I was thinking about that this week when mm -hmm. I saw that story come out that like we've, we've seen the trauma that Brittany has faced. And yet that all could have stemmed from this incident, this, this moment of time that she made a decision and she never got help for it. Absolutely. 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 And, and now is even almost being chastised, like being told on some circles, they're saying, well, that's because of the pro-life movement that she feels this way. Right. That's because the pro-life movement made her feel guilty. No, it's because she was coerced basically Mm -hmm. into having this abortion she was lied to about what it was going to be like, both physically and emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was told that she didn't have a right 
to feel sorrow or feel regret or feel, you know, sadness or any of those things. And so when women feel those emotions, and, and that's something else I always tell people, if you are somebody who works on the sidewalk or does any kind of pro-life work, when you are encountering those women who are looking at you with just anger and rage and hate in their eyes, mm-hmm. assume that those are people that have had an abortion. Mm. And that those are women who, in the recovery room that I worked, it didn't matter whether they came in with five children in tow, conflicted about their decision, or shouting their abortion. In that room, every woman is sad, crying most of them. But they're being told you can't be sad like Brittany. They're being told you can't have sorrow or regret. And so they turn that emotion into anger because you have to do something with that. And so when you see that, you know, see that broken little girl or that broken woman who has chosen that. And, um, you know, hopefully that helps. That always helps me relate to them when they're (laughs) being kind of nasty. That's a good reminder for us. And Kelly, thank you so much for sharing that. But what does your life look like today? And how has God restored your life and blessed you with such a beautiful family? It's funny, I, I think, I don't know whether it's, I'm hard-headed or what, but the Lord literally takes me to all of the places where trauma happened and, like, replaces that memory with new ones. Um, and my husband and I bought the house that I grew up in and are uh-huh. renovating it. Um, you know, like I said, last week I went to the church. Um, there's just a lot of things where, uh, where my church that, that we attend is located, it was a block and a half from where I used to sell drugs and right in the, the area where I was dealing drugs the most heavily. And, and so now I, I, instead of having memories of the dealing of drugs, I'm in there worshiping God and, you know, praising God and, and telling people, you know, all about him. So he has definitely restored all of that. Um, you know, I have the honor of, of sharing my story and helping other women. I, I minister on the sidewalk outside of abortion facilities as well mm-hmm. and try to try to change hearts as they're going into the abortion industry. And then I really love having conversations with pro-choice people Mm -hmm. and bringing, because of my experiences, both as a woman who's had four abortions and as a woman who's worked in the abortion industry and now as one who's on the pro-life side who I've worked in the pregnancy center, you know, I do the testimony. I kind of have all sides to this. Mm -hmm. And so I can really talk plainly about the realities of it. And, and most people, whether they're pro-life or pro-choice, do not know the realities of what's happening behind the, the doors of the abortion industry. And yeah. so I love sharing that, um, you know, and sharing, just giving people information. And most people, when you tell them the truth, they may not become pro-life. Right. They may still, I have people tell me all the time, well, I'm still going to be pro-choice, but I think this needs to change. And I'm like, hey, that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, softening so, of the heart um, at that moment, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And so I love, you know, doing that. And then mostly I love sharing my story just in bringing hope, bringing hope to parents who've got a child that's so lost, they've got no hope for them, or, you know, sharing my story for a woman who's stuck in domestic violence or, or all of the different things that I was stuck in. Um, and, and letting people know that no one is too far gone. If right. God can save me, he can save anybody. And not only save, my favorite thing is when people are like, I would never have known that was your story. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's how good God is. Oh, like, he's so that. good. He's so good at restoring and redeeming. You would never know looking at me that that was my story. Um, and that, that's what God does. You know, that's where he truly brings beauty from the ashes. That's where he truly um, redeems and restores. And, um, yeah, it's, it's 
pretty fun. <laughs> That's awesome. It's amazing, man. It's just such an amazing testimony, yes. Kelly. Like I'm just sitting here in awe. Like it's just how God can, you know, so many people think they're too far gone for God to use them and yeah. how can he ever use them? And your story is just so impactful and so powerful. We cannot wait to, to get it out to our listeners. So thank you so much for taking the time to share your story, share your testimony and share your heart with us today. We know that God is using you to help so many women find hope and healing. Absolutely. Well, thank you for inviting me to come on here and talk with you guys. We cannot thank Kelly enough for sharing that testimony with us today. And so now we're going to shift gears and learn how we can all get involved with our local pro-life pregnancy centers and support them. You know, sometimes we can get so caught up in the political advocacy for being pro-life that we forget the face and the women behind the scenes. The women that are struggling, that need counseling, and that need advocates along the way to help them in dire situations. And that's why we wanted to share this episode with you all today. That's the purpose of today's episode. In our episode at the beginning of the month, we were reminded that we are purposefully made and perfectly loved. And today is a reminder that there are women who are desperately needing to hear that. They need to be reminded of God's goodness and that He truly cares for them. So we're going to conclude today's episode by speaking with Randy Brooks from Choices Pregnancy Center. Randy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be on. Well, can you just tell us a little bit about Choices and what they do and what their objective is for the local community? Absolutely. Um, I just want to start off by saying Choices is such an important part of my life, not just because it obviously helps pay our bills, but um, Choices holds a special place in my heart. As Tabitha knows, about four years ago, I found myself in a situation that I never thought that I would be in. Um, I got pregnant by someone who, honestly, I wasn't sure that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with, let alone wanted to raise a family with. But um, I was brought in a very strict Christian family, and I was terrified. And honestly, the first thing that I did when that pregnancy test showed up positive was search abortion clinics near me. Mm. Now, I knew deep down that I could never, ever do that, and I would never do that. But you never know what you're going to do when you're in that situation. Right. And that's what I did. Now, luckily, I have an amazing family and an amazing support group. So I leaned on them, and God has turned my story into something beautiful. But that's a different story for another day. Um, One that we want you to tell sometime. (laughs) We've been talking about that. (laughs) It is. And and my husband came to know Christ through it. And our kids are in church and they're serving and my husband's serving. And it's just, it's a beautiful story. But um, sadly enough, not all women have that support group. That's why centers like Choices are so crucial in in our community. So um, a little bit about Choices, we have two locations. One is our downtown Gainesville location, and the other is our South Hall or Oakwood location. And then we have our mobile clinic that travels to colleges, churches. We've even been in the Walmart parking lot, which is a great location. And in those clinics, we provide free pregnancy tests free ultrasounds, and free STD testing. And our goal while we're there is 
just to give essential information about the value of life that those women are carrying and that there are other available options beyond abortion. Mm-hmm. So when the women come in for that visit, we offer advocacy and, of course, the medical aspects of it. And we just talk to them about their fears and the joys. But the most important thing that we do is we share the gospel with every single person that walks through the doors. I love that. So we just, you know, we want them to hear that because a lot of people that come in, they've never heard the gospel. Mm-hmm. So, well, and, um, and I've also heard that the statistics, if a mother sees the ultrasound, that makes a huge difference, you know, and I think sometimes a lot of the abortion clinics refuse to show that part of it, which then that, you know, allows the mother to have a connection with that child that's growing inside of her. Absolutely. And we give um, every uh, one that can- comes and has um, a positive pregnancy test. We give them what's called a mommy bag, mm-hmm. and it has um, a onesie in it. And just something about that first piece of clothing. Right. It's so tiny. Mm-hmm. And it it's just... It's it makes so, it real. I mean, it's like, this yeah, is real, you yeah. know? Yes. And they get a frame for their ultrasound picture. And then they get um, a model of a 12-week, like, a of the baby. Mm-hmm. And it shows how tiny that baby is. But mm-hmm. it's got the features of it. And it just shows that it is life. Right. That's beautiful. And it it is is. formed, and it looks like a baby at, you know, 12 12 weeks. weeks. (laughs) Because what a lot of abortion clinics tell them is it's just a clump of cells. Yes. But it's not. It's not. It's a lie. Love that. Randy, do you have a story or testimonial? I know that you've shared your own, but maybe of how Choices has been a resource or a help to a particular family or mother in need that just, maybe a story that just sticks out in your mind. Um, Yes. And and there are so many stories that I could go on about, you know, the woman who her boyfriend or husband's in the car telling her, you've got to have this abortion. And she comes in struggling with that or the pregnant addict that's living on the street Mm -hmm. that maybe came into our um, mobile clinic or the woman who um, has been trying for so long that her and her husband come in and see that positive pregnancy Mm -hmm. test who is excited or not just the pregnancy tests that are life changing, but who men and women come in for the STD test that their lives are changed because they heard the gospel and they received Christ. Yeah, that's good. Um, but one of the, we don't always hear the years later after those stories. Mm-hmm. We don't get to follow every single story. But one we did get to follow was a lady named Sarah. And she was just like, kind of like we are with multiple kids. She had three kids and a happy home. Mm-hmm but an older lady and they found out they were pregnant again and her husband was like adamant we have got to abort this baby Mm -hmm. we financially can't afford it and she made an appointment when she got there she was met with the nurse and the sonographer and an advocate which an advocate is um every person that comes in gets an advocate that counsels them is there for any need that prayer, they're the ones that share the gospel. Mm -hmm. And they could tell that she was really struggling. So they, you know, sat down with her, non-judgmental, nothing, 
you know, too crazy. And they did the ultrasound and it came back, you know, positive or the pregnancy test. And um, then they did the ultrasound and the nurse said, you could just tell when she saw that light, saw that little beam that you see on that ultrasound right. and heard that heartbeat, tears welled up in her eyes. And she began to cry and see that it was just life. And the advocate took her in the other room and started talking to her and shared the gospel with her. And her heart immediately just changed. And she realized that her family could offer this baby love Mm -hmm. and that this, the value of this life that she's carrying is not just something that she could just throw away. Right. So she went home and she talked to her husband and they decided right then and there that this is not something that they could do. So skip nine months (laughs) and um, they welcomed a beautiful baby into the world. Their story, just a powerful reminder, the impact that choices and the people that uh, work there have on the lives of women facing these choices. Yeah. Um, One statistic that I do want to share is one in every four women will have an abortion by the age of 45. And that's in church and out. Some people think that it's, you know, these young teenage girls that come in. But we have the young girls. We have, like I said, the older women that have kids that just financially can't afford it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, or they think they can't. We do. I, I want to tell you real quick about a program that we have and something that we offer. Um, it's called an Earn While You Learn program. Mm-hmm. And the parents take these classes, and it's just it's valuable parenting and life skills information. And they watch these videos through a course called Bright Course. And every class they take, they earn, it's called Baby Bucks or Points. And they can shop every week in our baby boutique. And they get diapers, clothes, formula, cribs, strollers, every baby essential that they could possibly need. And that's from the, from infant to 18 months. I love because that. Because a lot of women just, they choose abortion simply because of the cost of the baby. Right. Clothes and diapers and formula. And this is a way that so, they can earn... You're not just giving it over to them. They take classes, if I'm understanding you correctly. They take classes, they earn bucks, and then they can cash those bucks in for the needs that they may have for that baby, correct? Correct. That's And awesome. it's valuable information. That's great. So what are, we, we understand, that, you know, just the value that Choices adds to our community and to the women, but what are some immediate needs that Choices has right now that maybe some of our listeners could get involved with and be able to help with that? Okay. Um, We're always looking for volunteers. One of the biggest volunteer opportunities that we have is our advocates, like I mentioned, and that's where you're face-to-face with our patients and clients. You know, I know that's huge for some people and they don't feel comfortable with that. We do give very high training for that. We have a prayer team that meets weekly to pray over our patients, our employees, our board, and they are vital for our um, organization. Then we have events throughout the year, our 5K, um, our gala, so we can always use volunteers there. 
And then, like we were talking about the baby boutique, we have churches and women's groups and things like that that host baby showers. And that's how we stop that boutique so that we can keep that going for the mom. That's awesome. And that is one thing that we, as this podcast, want our listeners to get involved with. And so one thing that we're going to be doing this week as this episode is posting is that we're going to be sharing some links to an online wish list for choices uh, for items that they can put back into this boutique that Randy has talked about today. But then also we're going to share links to ways that you can give financially if that might be something that you're interested in. Um, Ashley and I attended the Choices Gala back at the beginning of the year and it was so impactful that we were like, we have got to get involved with this organization Mm -hmm. in some way. And so we have been looking forward over several months now planning this episode and being able to talk with you. Um, So anyway, for our listeners, be on the lookout in our show notes as well as on our social media pages this week that we'll be sharing the links for ways that you can get involved personally with choices. But then also, if you're not local, there are so many pregnancy centers that are, I'm sure, in your local community. So reach out to them and see what you can do to help volunteer. Right. And we also, um, I mean, donations, if something, if that's something that you want to do as well, we have a website. It's Choices Pregnancy Partners. If you want to donate that way, okay, um, that's always something. We have monthly donors. Um, if you are part of a church, our church um, donors are our biggest support that they they donate every single month so that's a huge support that allows us to do a lot of what we do especially for our like mobile mobile unit that's what our mobile unit does is it serves as a bridge to those who are afraid to come into the clinic because you have those that don't want to make that appointment it makes it real but if they have an extra 10 minutes like at the college between classes they may go in and have that pregnancy test they've been putting off That's or that awesome. STD test that they've been putting off. Or if they're coming out of Walmart and it's sitting there, they'll run in and, and have that test. That's and um, that, that's something that, you know, we have to keep up. That's um, great. That we yeah, don't want to. amazing just having that mobile unit and mm-hmm. having that there in the community. And I just, I think there's so many people in our community that don't know they don't realize that choices that even exist that, yeah. in that y'all are doing the things that you're doing. And everyone will, at some point, know someone that needs this service. Yes. You may not think that you ever will, but at some point, it, whether it's a friend's granddaughter or, you know, mm-hmm. a friend's yeah. sister yeah. or something, you're going to know somebody that you could refer here. Yes. That's so true. And that's why we wanted to just bring awareness that, hey, you're here, you're in the community. I mean, anybody that's listening, it may not directly affect you, but at some point it could Mm -hmm. possibly affect somebody that you know and somebody that you love and care about. So just knowing that they're there. Mm -hmm. Randy, we cannot thank you enough for coming on the episode today, sharing a little bit about choices and the amazing work that y'all are doing. And we just want to end our episode today by challenging everyone listening to get involved. If we believe that every life matters, then we have an opportunity to be a resource and a help to our local pregnancy center. And we should use those resources to, to help, you know, the foundations like choices. And that the women who may find themselves in a situation like this 
has choices. That's you know, right. I'm a huge advocate for adoption and that yep. there are wonderful adoption agencies out there. This doesn't necessarily mean that the woman keeps the child. Right. You know, there are other Her. avenues that she can look into, but we we recognize that that life matters and to give that child life is what really matters in the whole realm of things. Yeah, and that's where the choices name comes from. They right. give you those those choices mm-hmm. to be able to give life to that child. Yep. Well, thank you so much, Randy. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it and enjoyed being here. We cannot thank Kelly and Randy enough for coming on the show with us today. We hope that it was a touching episode for you. I know it was for Tabitha and I just to hear... Mm-hmm. Someone's story who they were there, they went through this, and Tabitha and I being pro-life advocates and not having a story. Right. Nowhere near Kelly's, you know, sometimes it's hard for us to fathom. You know, we think it's the people in bad homes that go through this and that face these situations. We think it's low-income families. We think it's people who don't have loving and supportive families that find themselves in these situations and have to make these decisions. But we saw in Kelly's story, and I've heard in so many other stories, that women that come from good homes can find themselves in this state. You know, like, how did this happen? And then thinking, oh, my gosh, I I come from this amazing family, and here I am. I'm pregnant. What are they going to think? What are they going to do? And next thing you know, you're like— They're making a— a decision that will affect the rest of their life and based on their emotions. Right. And And that's what we wanted to highlight today is that, you know, there are women behind all of this. There are stories and testimonies behind just the political aspect of whether you're pro life or pro choice or whatever that may be. And that as women and as daughters that you may have or nieces that you may have that they do have choices. And, you know, even with someone who may have already made that decision to have an abortion, that there are resources out there where you can get counseling. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, a lot of, as Kelly talked about earlier in her testimony, is that, you know, once you make this decision, then you're kind of left to yourself. Yeah, with the emotions of all of it. Yes, and these um, abortion clinics do not offer counseling and help Mm -hmm. um, to to allow these women, I guess, reconcile the trauma that they faced after making a decision to have an abortion. And that's what we wanted to make sure that all the women out there know there is help. There are places that you can go to get counseling. I know that this was a very heavy episode, but I think it's very important that we understand that we can all find ourselves in a situation like this, as these two ladies have already shared. And just like we say, we are pro-life advocates in knowing that there is there's a center right here in our community that we can get involved with and that we can support. Right. You know, we're going to share the links, how you can donate to choices and how you can help fund their baby boutique that the people that they help get to go to and shop and make purchases, sending some diapers, sending some wipes. I mean, something so simple. Mm-hmm. You can, can be helping so many women out in their journeys, in their choice to to keep their child well and a lot of people who are pro-life we get a bad rap sometimes that we are pro-birth but then we don't help out through the rest of this 
um, you know, whatever decision that they make as far as adoption or helping and walking alongside those women who may need extra help. And that's what pregnancy centers like Choices does. Your churches can get involved. You can get involved personally, even going to the centers as um, Randy talked about and praying over them yeah. or helping counsel with women who have made some tough decisions or have mm-hmm. some tough decisions ahead of them. There are many ways that we can get involved. And we just wanted to highlight that today. And we hope that it's inspiring to all of you to know that we can just um, do more than check a box at the ballot, but we yeah. can actually get involved in our communities and be a help to many of the women who are in very difficult situations right now. That's right. So we challenge and encourage each one of you to get involved. And we hope that this episode can can touch some lives out there. And if you know somebody that may be going through this or even, even a younger girl that you know in your life, you know, it's not... It's always good for them to know that places like this exist. Right. So we just can't thank everybody enough for listening today. And next week's episode, we're going to be starting a whole new series. We cannot wait to start and get back in the studio like normal with just Tabitha and I. So we're excited to bring that to you next week. Make sure you're following us on social media, Instagram and Facebook. And remember, as always, a sincere desire to become purposeful women of God starts with changing focus from me to thee. God bless from our hearts to yours. See ya. Bye.